Welcome back to another episode of the No Vertical Podcast with your hosts, Alex and Billy. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down some news that developed last week of the Big East possibly expanding, uh, some possible teams that might look to jump into the Big East if there is an expansion, uh, the strange actions of Javon Quinterly uh, following his uh, recent performance and UB breakdown versus Southern Illinois, as well as the unranking of the St. John's Red Storm. So let's get into it. Big East expansion. Alex, what's your take on, on this? On what now? On the Big East expansion. Potential. Potential okay, so, expansion, I should say. Right, yeah. So I guess my my first question is, what what size conference are we looking at are we actually going to go above like 11 to 12 schools are we going to go smaller than that so i think that would be the first thing to really identify is how many teams do we really think they're going to bring in and do we think that some mid-majors are the ones that are going to want to be the ones that come up, or do we think that other schools are going to go into the Big East from their respective conferences so far? Um, I think it's a good idea to expand just based on the level of production that the Big East has had so in the recent years since most of the major schools have left. Um, but with that being said, I think that there's – always going to be kind of a stepping stone in the time it takes to develop the programs that they need to really be a competitive once again. But I think it's a good idea. I think that it'll help bring them back into the fold as far as one of the best conferences in the nation. So for those of you that don't know, um, Big East President Val Ackerman um, she signed an extension with Madison Square Garden recently uh, to maintain their spot in the Garden until 2028 in terms of the Big East tournament. Um, so allegedly she released some information during an interview following the signing that four teams have reached out seeking a new home in their conference. Now, she wouldn't disclose which teams, which led us to speculate and create a poll um, as we do on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And the biggest response that I was getting, I went a little bit back and forth with uh, UB Bull Run. And football is going to be a big issue here. You know, so, so the Big East... Obviously. Yeah, the Big East is not a football conference like many other of the Power Five. Nor has it been in the past, really. No, it's, it's never been there. So pretty much this is going to eliminate a lot of schools that, you know, are are thinking about jumping ship. Um, But she did, you know, leave the door open that there could still be an expansion. So what I'm thinking is it's, I'm thinking it's possibly going to be an 11 team league. And I think they're going to try and adopt the 20 game conference schedule, similar to what the ACC has currently going on. Mm. That way you'd still get that round Robin type format where you get the home and home with each, with each school. And, what I was thinking as, as a potential landing spot for the Big East uh, vacancy would be UConn. Now, the reason why I'm thinking UConn is that they are uh, currently 
um, the well, not just the highest rated team in the poll, but they're they're currently still in a weird spot ever since they left the Big East in the American. Right. Uh, they they you know have that history of being in the Big East and having those rivalries that are still very much so there, especially if you talk to St. John's fans. Um, that rivalry still runs deep, especially in the sense where you have constant guys going back and forth between the programs. You know, you have Kasum Yakwe who left St. John's for UConn. You have the mm-hmm. weird saga that went on with Sid Wilson, um, who didn't play a single game for St. John's and transferred immediately after committing. Um, so you have that weird situation, and then St. John's, you know, didn't grant the waiver or whatever. So there is the rivalry there. I think that would be a great storyline to watch. You know UConn's going to sell out the Garden, you know, whether they're playing St. John's or in the Big East tournament, that contingent is going to travel. And it would just overall increase the level of talent in the Big East. You know, do you really want another DePaul bringing down the conference? So the talent is clearly there this year. Hurley and company, they've done a great job, especially with recruiting. You know, I've I've never seen... Well, not in a recent memory. I haven't seen recruits looking to go to UConn the same way that they're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. And like I mentioned earlier, the drawback, though, would be football. So right. UConn still surprisingly somehow makes money off football, <laughs> despite being yeah. one of the, probably the worst teams in Division One. Very strange. Um And there's also a looming American athletic conference deal. Um, that would definitely uh, increase what they're currently making um, in terms of like their their television and all that all that jazz. So that could money the water as well. So, um, what what's your thoughts on Buffalo potentially, Alex? As you mentioned, the mid major. Um, right. Yeah, I think that it's a smart choice in the in the case of more comp- competition in conference. Because right now, I mean, if you look at the Mac, it's just a disaster other than Buffalo. So, as far as an actual, from a competitive standpoint, they'd have a, a better resume going into the, towards March, if they were in the Big East, especially if uh, the Big East starts getting even more competitive, as it seems to be on an uptick, getting a little bit more competitive. But, um, again, their football team is also on the rise. And if that continues to be a trend, will that make them want to move elsewhere? You know? I agree. And that's what definitely made me hesitant to say that this is like a, a win-win for Buffalo. The, the football program is definitely – they've invested a lot of money. They built that new field house. You know, I don't really know – if it makes sense for Buffalo to to jump ship in it, in the Big East current state, and with the uncertainty of the the possibility that they wouldn't get into another football conference um, for the right. football program, so I think I don't think it really makes sense for them. I think it makes a lot of sense for the Big East, um, but it's you know it's something to something to think about. I mean, the geographic location fits which is something that I know the Big East is really looking for, as, as it does with UConn as well. They want those mm-hmm. Northeast uh, programs rather than going after the mid-major. Uh, I'm sorry, the, the Midwest. So, because, you know, like scheduling games with Creighton, it kind of mm-hmm. is a bit of an issue right now for the Big East, and I don't think they're looking for another headache like that. Right. 
Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see how much money plays a role. Like, if the Big East is offering any kind of uh, compensation for joining their t- joining their league, you know, more ad time on games or something along those lines. There's there's the the chance that they could draw somebody in that way, but again, I feel like that's a little skeezy, and I feel like the uh, my hope is that that wouldn't cause one team to go to the Big East over another. But, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. So, And I agree. And, I mean, really, like you mentioned earlier, this would probably benefit maybe a school in the A-10 um, that's mm. looking to maybe get up into a higher conference, whether that be Davidson, Fordham, St. Joe's, the Bonnies, St. Louis. You know, they all kind of fit that mold. They're all relatively small schools or, for the most part, all Catholic schools. However, I just, I just don't see that benefiting the conference. You know, like I mentioned Mm -hmm. previously, you have DePaul already. There's a reason why DePaul, when they play St. John's never gets the garden, you know, it it doesn't make sense financially. And I I really don't see any of these schools. Now the the, the fan base just isn't there. You know, if you're trying to build a Mm -hmm. big conference, like the big East, they're, they're trying to expand. They're trying to, incorporate more teams you're not going to look towards a small fan base team a small market team so i i really maybe maybe rhode island i could see but then again they don't really fit the mold all that well in terms of being a public school true so you know it'll be interesting and like i said i i i think uconn would probably still be the best bet just because i think if they really really thought about it i think it would be beneficial for both the big east and yukon and you know there's always a chance that they could drop their football team to fcs instead of the bcs so that could work out because that's what a few of the big east basketball programs currently do Mm -hmm. Uh, they they drop their football to the lower division so in my in my opinion i think yukon would probably be the best fit okay so moving on so alex I know, I know I saw all about it, but have you seen what's going on with Javon Quinterly over there at Villanova? I dug into it briefly. I haven't seen a ton. I know that he hasn't been getting the, the playing time that everybody anticipated him getting, so that's always an interesting view to kind of look and see a, a highly touted recruit not really coming in and playing quite as much as they were expecting him to so i'm but again i'm not cont- entirely up to date on what's going on so all right I well i was hoping you'd uh, fill me in a little bit yeah so recently as you know villanova dropped the game to penn mm-hmm. which as i think it was the first time in i don't know how long that they that villanova right. lost to a, one of the the big 5 schools over there and po- following the game that night it was it was briefly on his Instagram story, something along the lines of, this is why they were my second choice, referring mm. to Jay Wright's squad in, in Villanova. Right. Yeah, as you know, Quinterly decommitted following the scandal going on currently in Arizona yeah. um, with the assistant coach being arrested and, you know, going to trial. Mm. And this this has definitely been an interesting saga because he then claimed – his Instagram was hacked, and hmm. uh, Nas Little over in UNC 
tried to reiterate the fact that, you know, Quinterly was hacked. And then it came out later that day that Quinterly, you know, did it himself. He apologized. He issued a statement um, across Instagram, of course, because, you know, that, that's, right. where, uh, that's where everyone's that's where going these days. these days. And I, I don't even know what to make of this situation. I don't know what Jay Wright does here. Because yeah, you have that's it's 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 a weird it's a weird situation where you know he at least he owned up to it and I think that's a big thing that he owned up to it instead of going with this lie that everyone knew was a lie where you got hacked. Mm-hmm. Um, I think going forward, maybe they can salvage this situation. Maybe he won't transfer. Um, and if there's anyone to do it, it's Jay Wright. Right. However, I I think this whole situation you know, is going to really deter maybe some future five stars from considering Villanova. You know, Quinterly was a five star coming out of high school and is now seeing minimal minutes. He's seeing, you know, like just poor possessions. We're seeing turnover after turnover with Quinterly. And mm-hmm. I, I think that sends a scary message to any potential five stars that are looking to go one and done and thinking Villanova is the, is the option. Yeah, I think that, there could be the potential to view this as a, a trend, but at the same time, you don't. we don't really know what's going on at practice. We don't know what's going on behind the closed doors. So there may be other issues that we're not aware of, maybe some behavioral issues. Maybe it's just he's not fitting the mold that they thought he was going to fit. So we aren't – there's no, like, for sure explanation – until Jay Wright comes out and says, yeah, listen, this is what's happening. Or until someone else comes out and says, yeah, this is what's happening. So it's tough to speculate, but I, w- I wouldn't say that that's going to be a, a full trend that's going to be happening in Villanova. Although, to be fair, Villanova is not known for their one-and-dones in the first place. So they're more of a, a cultivate and then let them loose kind of team. So. We'll see how it unfolds in the future for sure. Okay, so moving on, we have UB's second game of the year against Southern Illinois. Um, it's going to be at 2 p.m. tomorrow, Saturday, December 15th on ESPN+. Plus. So for those of you who don't know, this is the second matchup of, of the season. They did a home-and-home series with Southern Illinois. Um, UB took the first meeting, uh, which was a very defensive matchup, 62-53. to Alex, what's your what's your thoughts coming into this game for if you're if you're UB? Um, I mean, I'm not really scared if I'm anybody on UB. I think you can't take anybody for granted, and you have to always play up. Um, teams that are successful have a tendency to play down, so they have to be careful of falling asleep too early. But as long as they are remaining competitive and not just going with the paces or like falling in with the, the standard of that tendency to fall off on teams that you're supposed to beat. I think they will be just fine. I'm not too worried about them. They have the offensive firepower to beat this team with pretty, pretty decent ease, but we'll see how it unfolds in the future tomorrow. Yeah. And that, that being said, you know, Southern Illinois is missing their senior guard, uh, Armin Fletcher. Mm. Uh, so, you know, he, he's still suspended for violating team rules and whatnot. 
and the Southern Illinois team is coming off of a blowout loss to Murray State where they only shot 31% from the field. So, you know, they could be hungry. This could be a team that's that's starving for a win coming into uh, alumni. So, sure. I, you know, you can't underestimate them exactly like you said. Um, and I think Buffalo needs to look to push the tempo uh, quick uh, during this game, like from the start. And mm-hmm. I think they need to take some very high percentage shots because yeah, absolutely. They, they, they shot the ball pretty poorly in the first matchup. And the, clearly the Southern Illinois team plays some solid defense. So if you're, if you're you know, going to pass up a three for a nice high percentage two, I think that's the smart way to go against this squad. I know it doesn't really. Yeah. I know it doesn't really translate much in their offense. They're a pretty uh, three-point minded team, but sure, I, I think that's the way to go in this matchup because I think the the best chance to get ahead and stay ahead early is with uh, fast break points and getting those easy layups down low with Nick Perkins. Yeah, I'd agree with I'd agree with you there, and I think that they'll like I said, I think they'll be just fine. They just have to make sure that they. Stay awake, don't fall asleep, and don't take anybody for granted, for sure. And moving on, we have uh, also Syracuse in action tomorrow as well. They're playing um, Old Dominion, Old Dominion. Uh, who who have some some pretty solid bigs down low. So so what's your uh, what's your takeaways for Cuse to get this win tomorrow? Um, you know, anytime you have a couple big guys that are more dominant than your guards, you're gonna have to give them more attention and we're not super Syracuse isn't super deep as far as their big men they've got Sidibe and um, Pascal Chukwu but I think that they'll be all right if those two stay out of foul trouble Um, the the zone has a tendency to take big men out of their element and keep them from dominating down low as long as we can prevent anything getting behind the big men near the baseline I don't think they'll be too big of an issue. Um, I'm you know, I'm not super concerned about Old Dominion. They aren't averaging a ton of points, and there's not exactly a offensive dominance team. So I think we'll be just all right, just fine. The zone should protect us, and um, yeah, I think I'm expecting a big game from Ty's battle again uh, to just get some. Uh, fast break opportunities and create some shots for himself. So I'm hoping that he has a continuation of the last few games for sure. Yeah, coming off that big win over Georgetown, you know, battle really, really, it was a big coming out party pretty much. Absolutely. So look for him to continue that against Old Dominion tomorrow. Uh, moving on to St. John's. So St. John's is still somehow, you know, unranked. They've only gone undefeated. Yep. Great. I don't, uh, how are you feeling about that? Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's a little frustrating as a fan. <laughs> uh, I understand why. You know, the schedule is it's, it's a cupcake, cupcake schedule. Right. The wins, you know, they've been there, but they haven't exactly been convincing. And I think sure. what Zach Brazilier said was that this team shows up for five to six minutes and then they'll get lulled to sleep for another five to six minutes. So, sure. They need to come out and play 40 minutes of consistent basketball. And I think they have three incredible opportunities to demonstrate why they should be ranked if they can get these wins against Wagner, St. Francis, and Sacred Heart. 
three easy gimme games, just like most of the rest of their schedule. But if they can come out ahead of Big East play and Pons can show that he doesn't have to be the one to take control, take control over games, I think this team should be ranked if they get 12-0. What's your take? I would agree with that. I think anytime you have a team that, regardless of schedule, remains undefeated for 12 games, that's a pretty impressive feat in and of itself, especially in college basketball where the dichotomy is just insane and you can have anybody win at any time. So to win 12 straight games is a very impressive feat. So I think that the AP and the coaches' polls should reflect that impre- that um, record and should put them in somewhere in the 20s, I'd imagine. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, I'm not I'm not saying that they, you know, should be ranked right now. I mean, they're, they're definitely not – they haven't performed like they're a top 25 team. However, the wins right. are stacking up, like you said. And I think that outside of LJ Figueroa, who's been pretty consistent for the most part, you know, Heron's had off games. Uh, you've had Marvin Clark have off games. Justin Simon – while his numbers aren't always there in the stat sheet, you know, he's been that Swiss Army Knife type player for us. I think that it, they need to pull it all together. It has to be a balanced approach to the game. And I think if they can win handedly in these three, like I said, they should be at least 24-25. Yeah, I'd agree with you. All right. So I know the matchup, I mean, I've been waiting for. I don't know about you, but it's coming around the corner next week in UB versus Syracuse. Yeah, and I actually work depending have an opportunity to go see that game live. So we'll, we'll, I'm hoping that works out for me, and then I'll be able to give you a, a full breakdown of the not only the environment but the game itself from a first person point of view. I know that that would you'll be a little bit closer than me watching through my TV screen. Yeah, so. just a little bit. Yeah. Um, so what what are some takeaways that that you're looking at for Syracuse? Uh, in order for them to get the win over UB? Obviously, we've talked about UB's uh, penchant for hitting threes, so I'm hoping that Beheim puts in the wrinkle that he's he's seen used in the past where he expands the zone a little bit and tries to push out the the shooters and get them out of their range. Um, You'll likely have some people hit some pretty ridiculous outside shots with that zone uh, expanded, but um, if we can eliminate the amount of threes that they take, I think that we can play at the same level based on half-court offense, but that is a big if because Buffalo has a tendency to get hot and stay hot, so we'll see if Bayheim can slow those guys down, take advantage of transition offense, take advantage of using the zone and try to take Buffalo out of their flow of really playing at a faster pace and scoring big, big numbers. So I think that if they do all that, Syracuse will get the W. Okay. And the, the more important thing, who are you rooting for? It's it's, it's hard, (laughs) man. It's real hard. I, I got to stick with my boys that I've, that I've rooted for, for, near my whole life in the in the orange but it's going to be a real I'm going to be torn side to side especially since I'm going with mostly if not completely UB supporters so 
we'll see. I, I, I'll be wearing my Syracuse jersey, though, that's for sure. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll give you my takeaways for Buffalo to win since you know yeah, who absolutely. my horse in this race is. Um, so no, first and foremost, UB needs to take the crowd out of the game, and that would be you, Alex. Of course. Um, <laughs> so, so Georgetown was able to do that in the first half uh, last weekend when they played Syracuse. Yep. And that's, that's huge because if you let the, the Dome – start rocking like that it's going to be it's one of the most hostile environments in all of college basketball. yeah it's tricky um another key factor like you mentioned buffalo has that fast tempo offense they need it to be on point against syracuse they need to force turnovers and they need to push the ball quick um i don't really want them to settle for those contested three-pointers like you were mentioning that you're hoping that the zone forces them into absolutely Perkins is going to be a huge factor for this game. Um, I think they need to get the ball to him at the high post. And then if they want to take those threes, look to kick out in the corners from there. Um, And then uh, defensively, if Buffalo can force Syracuse into taking some bad three-pointers and limit the dribble drive. Which they have a tendency to do. Exactly. And limit limit the dribble drive of uh, battle um, and force those uh, poor percentage three-point shots, I think they'll have a great position to win in this game and i actually have ub over syracuse right now 72 to 61 that's fair um yeah i think that if syracuse is able to slow the game down and make it a more defensive game that'll be the real ticket and i think that if they manage to do that i'm looking at a 58 65 win for Cuse. okay you got it you got a real dragon game there absolutely <laughs> All right, and moving on to our last story. This one has probably been the weirdest one that I've ever seen in college basketball. <laughs> and there's been a lot of weird ones. But there's a reporter out in Michigan, Graham Couch. He is an AP voter, and he submitted his top 25 last week. In it, he failed to list Kansas, Tennessee, and Duke, as well as, I believe, Texas Tech and Auburn. In the top 25, which is actually baffling considering how good all those schools have done this year and the quality wins that they've racked up. Right. His reasoning for all of this was that none of those teams have played a true road game. What's your take on this, Alex? Yeah, uh, I hadn't heard about this until you mentioned it to me. And once I looked it up, I was a little confused on what was going on. Um it took me a second to realize what he was trying to get at. And I, I respect what he's saying in that you need to take into account not only record, but where and how the teams have played. But at the same time, he completely left them out of his top 25. He didn't even have them in the top 25 at all. And those teams, not only are they historically really dominant, but this year they've proved to be excellent teams that are going to be competitive come come March. So I don't understand the logic of leaving them out entirely. Sure, use your, your rating to put them lower than they are ranked regularly in the AP poll, but to leave them out entirely is a little blasphemous. I agree. And the fact that it's not required for any schools to play out-of-conference road games. Right. So I don't think you can really penalize a team that didn't schedule one. Now, granted, you know, 
winning on the road is not the easiest thing to do in college basketball. And I can understand where he's coming from saying that, you know, you have a higher chance to lose, especially if you go on the road to a, a lesser ranked team, you know, that's going to hurt your stock. I get it. Right. I get what his points there, but I don't think any of these teams are really scared to play these high power teams. Because if you look at who they've played so far, Duke went down to, to the Maui Invitational, which this year was spectacular, the competition right. that they had down there. They played San Diego State to open the tournament. They then beat Auburn, which is a top 10 school currently, you know, according yep. to most voters. Right. <clears throat> not couch. And <laughs> they, they lost a tight game to Gonzaga for the championship. Right. Yep. Then you look at what Tennessee has done. They've only, you know, beaten Gonzaga. Yep. They've beaten Louisville, and they took Kansas to overtime. And then Kansas wins over Marquette and Tennessee. Granted, they had that close encounter with New Mexico State, but still, you know, the, I, so he's, by his logic, all you'd have to do if you're Kansas is go play a, you know, Mount St. Mary team that right. didn't get a win for, like, how many weeks? I don't even exactly. know if they even have a win yet. Yeah. So I, I don't really understand it nor do I agree with it. Um, I see his point, but I think if anything, like you mentioned, there's no way you leave these teams off. Yeah, and part of it may be him trying to stir the pot a little bit, but I don't think that any of the other AP voters would agree with his his reasoning, nor do I think that people will start voting that way. So I don't see it being a real issue. It's just very... Very strange. <laughs> I agree. I agree, Alex. All right. So I think that is going to cap the podcast off for this week. Um, feel free to like, subscribe, how we're doing. Let us know what you want to hear. Follow us on Twitter at No Vertical. Um, and we'd love to hear from you guys, you know, during game day. If you want to tweet back at us, have a conversation about how our teams are doing, we'd love to interact with you guys. Absolutely. All right. Signing off. Take care, guys. Have a good one.